You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast with rankings that are based on reality. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. Well, here we are at the end of week seven, and most teams are back into action by now. Now, since the last episode, I have decided to put out my own set of rankings called the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian Rankings. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because, once again, it just doesn't seem like the official rankings take all of the actual results into account. Now, I'm going to go off onto a bit of a tangent here and say that I've really been thinking hard about this, trying to figure out why the official NCAA rankings never seem to match up with reality. And I have had a revelation. You see, when I do my rankings, I only look at the four events that actually get ridden. And those are, once again, equitation on the flat, equitation over fences, horsemanship, and reigning. But the NCAA, they use a fifth event for their rankings. And that event is equitation over feelings. Because when you look at a team like Oklahoma State, the NCAA has them ranked at number two in their poll. But the Cowgirls don't actually have any results in those four events that make up a typical equestrian meet. So, obviously, they must have scored really high in some equitation over feeling scores. And that's why they're number two in those rankings, because that's what they're going by. So, if you like to read a poll that ranks equitation over feelings, well, then you need to use the NCAA's rankings. But if you want one that's concerned with how well these teams are doing in just those four actual events that get ridden, well, then you need to read my rankings. So let's talk about those rankings from last week. Now, at number one, of course, is Auburn. The Tigers are 3-0, and the only undefeated team in the country. They have two wins on the road, a win at home, and they are the reigning national champions. Down at number two, we have Texas A&M. Texas A&M has two wins over ranked teams, so they get that number two spot. At number three, we have Georgia Bulldogs. They're the only team that did really well against Auburn, so here they are at number three. At number four, we have the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, they didn't look quite as sharp overall as Georgia and Texas A&M did. Um, their records are actually tied with them, so the Gamecocks get that number four spot. At number five, I have SMU. The Mustangs did fairly well in their opening weekend. They did have some trouble uh, in a couple of their events pulling away from those lesser foes, but they return a lot of talent, and so that's basically why I have them at number five. At number six, I've got TCU, who did a little bit better than SMU did in that opening weekend. Uh, They don't return as much talent as the Mustangs, so I put them here at number six. At number seven, we have the Baylor Bears. At number seven, we have Baylor University. Baylor barely lost last week to the number two team, Texas A&M. It was at Texas A&M, so even though they lost that, I feel like Baylor is still a pretty strong team, so we're going to give them the number seven spot there. 
And at number eight, we have Oklahoma State. Now, obviously, they haven't ridden a single meet yet. And since I don't go by equitation over feelings, uh, until they do ride in an actual uh, event that gets scored, then the Cowgirls aren't going to get any higher than number eight in my rankings. At number nine, we have another team that's in kind of that same boat, Fresno State. Fresno State did real well last year, but they lost a lot of talent. We're still waiting to see how good they are. And at number 10, we have South Dakota State. Now, the Jackrabbits have not won in over two years, but all that changed two weeks ago when they defeated UT Martin on a neutral field over at SMU. So congratulations, Jackrabbits. You are my new number 10. Now, I don't exactly know how good you are compared to some of those other teams like Delaware State and UC Davis, but you have won a meet and those other teams have not, so you get the number 10. Congratulations. So those were the official Auburn Elvis rankings going into this week. So now let's talk about the meets that have actually occurred. Uh, Right off the bat, we have a meet that got canceled uh, between UC Davis and Fresno State. They were all set to ride this past weekend, but then it got called off. It was probably because of COVID restrictions in Fresno. Uh, They haven't really been able to hold a lot of events there, so that's probably what that was. Now, after that, uh, the next one we want to talk about is SMU at TCU. Now, you'll remember that both of these teams are ranked 5 and 6, respectively, going into this week in my rankings. So, I knew they were going to be pretty close. Well, it was a very close meet, uh, and uh, right at the very beginning of it, you could see it was going back and forth, where one team would get a point, then the other team would get a point and tie it back up, and then that first team would get a point, and then the other team tie it back up, and then that second team would get another point, so they would take the lead, and then it would get tied up again. It was going back and forth like that up until the half. They were all knotted up at uh, four points each. And it was in that second half where things really started to change. TCU earned a point, and then they earned another point. And SMU kind of tried to pull back, but then TCU earned another point. So they started slowly getting ahead of SMU. SMU tried to make a little comeback there. It didn't work. TCU ended up pulling off the upset. Now, it was at home, and that has certainly been an advantage, but it was still shocking to see just how well they handled SMU, particularly at the end in that second half. So that was a non-Saturday meet. Uh, It was a little bit weird that uh, we didn't get anything on a Thursday or Friday because typically you'll have a meet on a Thursday or Friday, but everything's all weird this, you know, season, so we're taking whatever we can get. So that was a Wednesday meet, and now we jump ahead to Saturday. Now, the next meet we want to talk about is TCU at Baylor. Saturday morning, uh, fresh off that big home win against SMU, TCU turned right around and went over to Baylor. Now, this is the first Big 12 meet of the season, so the winner of this one was going to be sitting in first place in their conference standings. TCU proved to be a little bit stronger than Baylor in fences. They won 3-2 there. The teams were evenly matched in reigning, with each getting two of those points. Uh, So at the half, TCU held a slight lead, uh, 5-4. Now, over in the second half, TCU won the flat 3-2 had that nice 8-6 to six lead overall uh, going into uh, horsemanship. Two more points was going to give uh, Horn Frogs the win. So uh, when horsemanship started up, TCU actually took that first horsemanship point. So now they were only one point away from getting it, and victory was all but assured. But, uh, you know, somebody didn't tell Baylor's horsemanship squad that because they came storming back. They won all four of the next points. Went from being down six to nine to winning the Dern meet ten to nine. Boom! Home field advantage. Uh, it's a real thing this year, y'all. So after that victory, or actually while that was going on over in Georgia, a pair of SEC teams were squaring off. 
South Carolina paid a visit to Georgia uh, looking to sweep the Bulldogs this season. Now, last week, South Carolina did ride against Lynchburg in a jump seat only meet. Uh, that went real well for the Gamecocks. They quickly dispatched uh, Lynchburg. They also did some Western riding and a little scrimmage just to get ready for Georgia. Um, Georgia did, has not had a meet since their trip to Columbia in the fall. So it was a little unknown if Georgia was going to be prepared for this one. Spoiler, they were. In the November meet between these two teams, South Carolina won the majority of points in fences, horsemanship, and reigning, and that's how they beat Georgia. Well, in the rematch, the Bulldogs started off by winning fences 3-1, to then reigning 3-2. to So that gave them a sizable 6-3 to halftime lead. And that was a four-point swing from what had happened in those events in the fall. Now, the Gamecocks tried to come back on the flat which again was an event that uh, had gone Georgia's way in the previous meeting. South Carolina won it 2-1, to one, and there were two no-point ties in that. But uh, So it looked like they were coming back, but then, you know, Georgia ended all hope and said, hey, we got this. And so they went on, and in horsemanship, they won that 3-1. to one. So the total ended up being 10-6. to six. So there were four ties in this, a whole bunch of ties. And actually, if every single tie had gone to South Carolina, then it would have been a tie overall. But that's kind of asking a bit much. So with this win, Georgia is going to slide up into second place all alone in the SEC standings. Oh, yeah. I also want to give a quick shout out here to whoever the young lady was that was doing the live streaming for Georgia. Uh, I have a lot of personal experience with live streaming sports, and I can tell y'all that doing commentary while panning around two of those rings back and forth simultaneously ain't easy. So good job, young lady. Um, She was obviously freezing all during the broadcast, but she gave us very good, helpful commentary on what was going on. Uh, In fact, I actually learned something uh, from her. I learned that there is a difference between a demonstration ride and an exhibition ride. Now, you folks who grew up in the sport, you knew all this anyway. But for you casual sports fans, um, there's always some extra rides going on right before the riders who are actually going to be scoring points for the teams get out there. And um, they'll be listed, a lot of times these extra riders will be listed on the score sheet, and they're listed usually as either exhibition or demonstration. Now, I kind of figured those were the same thing, but here is the difference. First off, the exhibition is almost always going to be two riders. You're going to have one from each team. You're you're probably not going to have a single exhibition rider. Um, And like I said, this one, they don't score, but what the whole purpose of the exhibition rides are to give more experience to your riders uh, who don't normally get to start. And, you know, since you've already paid the judges to be there anywhere at the meet, so you might as well get a little bit more work out of them. So, you know, doing some actual judging, official judging on how your um, your other riders are doing, it helps your team out. So, that's what exhibition is. Demonstration rider is not like that. You only have one demonstration rider for an event, and the reason they're out there is to ride through the pattern that is going to be uh, judged on for the day. And that gives the judge an idea of where certain parts of the pattern are going to end up happening in your ring. Uh, Because, you know, the rings are, I think, the standard size, but still, it just helps the judge if they get a good look at the pattern being ridden by someone before they're all set to score everything. And actually, this past Saturday at Georgia, the Western judge had the demonstration rider go back out and do the pattern twice. So that uh, just to, I guess, give the judge a little bit better uh, look at things. So that is the difference. A demonstration ride is really to help the judges out, give them a sense of what's going on with this particular pattern in this particular um, arena. 
And an exhibition rides are usually done, you know, head to head and they're, they're judged, but they don't go into the official score and they're to give um, your riders more practice. So thank you, Georgia Livestream announcer, for that extra info uh, that I could pass along to my listeners. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. So, with those results in the book, those were all the meets that we had because, again, I told you about how that Fresno-UC Davis um, meet got canceled. Now, let's look at how they affected the official Auburn Elvis ranking. So, all the rankings I told you at the beginning of the show, those are now obsolete because of those results. So, let's talk about what the new rankings are. At number one, we have the current manifestation of absolute certainty in college athletics, the Auburn Tigers. The Auburn Equestrian winning streak is up to, um, actually over 2 to the 10th power number of days. Uh, That's 1,024 for you Bama fans out there. And if you recall how I said all the home teams are winning this season, well, there is one exception to that rule, and it is Auburn. So, they're number one. At number two, we have the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, they had a big home win over South Carolina this past week, and they are number two in the SEC, which pretty much means they're number two in the nation. So, the Bulldogs are now number two. At number three, we have Texas A&M. The Aggies got knocked down to third place because of Georgia's win over South Carolina, and that win is more impressive than A&M's win over Baylor that they had two weeks ago. But, speaking of Baylor, guess who's number four? That's right, Baylor University. Now, they lost at Texas A&M, wasn't by much, uh, and then they turned around and they shocked TCU. Now, that victory is enough to send Baylor into first place in the Big 12 standings and to number four in my rankings. And at number five, we have South Carolina. Now, their recent loss to Georgia moves them down a spot, but they still have that November victory over Georgia on their resume. I debated dropping the Gamecocks further, but losing on the road to the number two team was kind of expected. At number six, we have TCU. You could make a case that the Horned Frogs should be a little bit higher on the strength of that SMU win, but the jury is still out on just how prestigious that is. At number seven, we have SMU. 
The Mustangs fall down to number seven after their road loss to TCU. Uh, To date, SMU's biggest victory is a home win over South Dakota State. So other teams could quickly build a better resume and push uh, SMU further down these rankings. At number eight, we have Oklahoma State. Now, we know so little about the Cowgirls so far. We expect they're going to once again challenge for the Big 12 title. But until they start competing, we are only guessing as to how well they will ride. At number nine, we have Fresno State. Now, the Bulldogs have shared a similar fate with OSU in that we have yet to see them compete. Hopefully, this week's meet versus UC Davis will answer some of the many questions that we have about this team. And at number 10, we have the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. For the second week in a row, the Jackrabbits are ranked. But with teams like UC Davis and Delaware State all set to see some action before South Dakota State does again, it's unclear just how long that one tiebreaker win they have over UT Martin is going to justify being in this spot. So we'll see how long, but you know, carpe diem. So, those are our current Auburn Elvis rankings. And now, we are going to be entering the busiest weekend of the season to date. We have nine different equestrian teams all set to square off in various uh, official NCEA action. And I think two of those uh, meets are going to be of particular importance to our listeners. Everything starts out this Friday as Auburn returns to the saddle, heading out to the Lone Star State for a pair of meets against two dangerous foes. On Friday morning, Auburn will square off in Dallas against number 7, SMU. In my preseason look ahead, I detailed how SMU returned a bunch of experienced starters, particularly on the Western seat, Um, and I initially ranked the Mustangs the highest of the non-SEC teams, largely on the strength of those returning starters. Well, despite all that experience, SMU has had trouble getting consistently good rides so far. Now, some of this is likely due to them not riding in the fall, And since we haven't seen any home upsets uh, so far this season, I think there is something about traveling during these COVID conditions that has made having the home field advantage more important. So when you look at each event, I expect SMU to do a little bit better in fences than they do on the flat. SMU is having to replace a handful of starters in those events. And in one of them, they've replaced with a former Auburn rider, uh, Alex Pilet. And so they're doing that, but they really haven't found a lineup that clicks. They keep still making some changes to that lineup. So we'll see who they start against Auburn on Friday. Um, but they're pretty strong over fences. So I think what Auburn's goal is going to be is to take about three points in fences and then really drop the hammer on them in the flat. Then over on that western seat, um, SMU is coming off of a very lackluster performance at Baylor where they only got three western points total, which is not good. But among those, they had a pair of MOPs. So they have some talent. It's just whether they'll be on their game. And frankly, I'm kind of worried um, that these western events are going to go pretty well for SMU. They're going to be at home, and I just think that's going to really help their riders get focused and do a lot better than they have in the past. So with the Western events, I think Auburn's goal is probably going to be to get about two or three points in horsemanship and then about two or three points in reigning and then hope that our jumping seat side has just demolished them so that the meet won't even be close. And again, you know, with them being at home, that's a, that's probably going to be a big advantage for them. So we're going to have to be on upset alert against SMU this weekend. 
Now, the very next day, uh, after we finish with uh, SMU, we are going to bus on over to College Station, Texas, and do battle with our SEC foes, number three, Texas A&M. Now, the Aggies lost about as much talent as SMU did in the offseason, but their attrition mostly came over in those Western events, not the jumping seat. Now, in the fall, the Aggies came to Auburn, and they got outridden in every event. But, as we're seeing, home meets are generating a lot more consistent performances out of these teams, and Auburn needs to expect A&M to not be as mistake-prone as they were the last time we met them. Looking at their various squads, up until last week's meet against Baylor, I would have told you that the flat is probably their best event. But Baylor completely shut A&M down on the flat, making the meet a neck-and-neck, back-and-forth affair all overall. Now, how well Auburn does on the flat is probably going to determine whether we win this thing convincingly or we're in for a a tight contest all throughout the day. I think we're going to do well in fences against the Aggies. I think we'll get the majority of points there. We also match up pretty well in the Western events against them. A&M was a very deep horsemanship squad last season, but they had a key transfer depart to South Carolina. And then they've had the mysterious absence of one of their best returning starters in that event, and she didn't make a single appearance in the fall. So they're a very inconsistent team, and we're not sure what they're going to put out on uh, Saturday. I expect they'll probably get about one or two horsemanship points, and I think um, their hope is that they can really shock Auburn in the reigning event. The Aggies' reigning riders have been pretty good this season. Uh, They only took one point when they rode against us in Auburn. But they have won the majority of points in every meet they've ridden since. So if Texas A&M hopes to beat Auburn, it's going to be probably because of a very strong reigning performance. Now, let's look at some other meets around the country that don't involve Auburn. While Auburn is going to be battling SMU on Friday, Minnesota Crookston will be visiting UT Martin. Now, the Eagles of Crookston were one of the few teams that I did not cover in my preseason preview. Uh, They ride mostly IHS competitions, which, if you'll recall, is that other format. It's not scored in quite the same way uh, as teams like the uh, NCAA does. So they're generally doing that, that sort of format, not the NCEA. But when they do compete against an NCAA team, it's it's really a mixed bag of what you're going to get. Uh, I still believe this will be a legitimate NCAA competition. It's just, you know, we're not sure how well either team is really going to do. I'll be following it. I'll let you know how it turns out. But I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that UT Martin's probably going to rebound from their loss to South Dakota State two weeks ago. And they're probably going to get the home victory. Boom. All right, then going over to Saturday, uh, we will finally get to see how Oklahoma State does, y'all. Uh, the number eight cowgirls are going to host the number six um, TCU Horned Frogs. Now, I think Oklahoma State uh, is going to be a little bit rusty from their 11th month layoff, but uh, they're going to benefit from riding at home, and I think they're going to end up winning this one. It'll probably be close, but I'm going to go ahead and predict that almost Oklahoma State wins this. Now, after that, we're going to get to see two more teams kick off their season. Number nine, Fresno State, will make the short trip over to UC Davis. Fresno State had a great run last season, but they lost half their starting lineup. Still, I'm going to go ahead and predict that they beat um, uh, the Mustangs over there in Davis. But don't be shocked if UC Davis does pull off the upset. Again, it's a home meet, and those are a big deal. And those are the meets that we will be looking forward to that I will update you on next week. One last thing before we end our episode today. 
After watching a pair of equestrian live streams that have been happening on ESPN Plus so far this season, I am inspired to take a few moments and make a special plea to my listeners. Uh, This season, the Big 12 is actually going to be live streaming almost all of their home equestrian meets. Also, we've seen Georgia has already live streamed two of theirs. But over here at Auburn, we are lagging behind in this area. Now, I have brought this up in the past to some folks in the program, and apparently Auburn doesn't have a fiber internet connection running to the EQ Center. And that's kind of what we'd like to have in order to guarantee the amount of bandwidth that you would need to run a good live stream. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you listeners to contact Alan Green's office and let him know that this is a priority for the Auburn family. Next season, Auburn will be hosting the SEC Equestrian Tournament, so my goal is to have live streaming in place by next season so that when we get around to hosting the SEC Tournament, we have gotten enough broadcasting experience throughout the season to then host a respectable live stream for that tournament. So here's what I'm specifically asking you to do. Pull up your email app and send an email to athletic underscore director at auburn.edu. That is the public email address for Alan Green, and if you send something there, someone in his office will read it. Please let him know that you would like Auburn to start live streaming home equestrian meets and ask him to make this a priority for next season. You don't really have to say anything more than that. If you want to talk about next season's tournament or how proud you are of the program or whatever, you can certainly do all that. But something as quick and easy as just a simple email asking about can we live stream these home meets next season, that's really all you need to do here. I believe that if we Auburn fans show that this is important to us, Alan Green will listen. So if you can take a minute to compose and send that short email, I would certainly appreciate it. Well, that is our show for this week. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much for listening. War Eagle and War Horses. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?